to another episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Conti, and this episode is brought to you by the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. This episode is also sponsored by the I-5K. The I-5K race is a favorite weekday evening run and networking event for Charleston's tech professionals. This year's event is scheduled for June 2nd. Learn more and get your ticket at i5k.com. That's I-F-I-V-E-K.com. A lot of the attention on the Charleston technology community and its growth over the past couple of decades focuses on B2B and more recently consumer software. But there's also an ever-broadening base of technology businesses out there. In this episode, we have the opportunity to highlight one of them. Well, today's episode coming to you from the Charleston Tech Center podcast studio. Our guest is Tom Kaiser. Tom is co-founder of Avicenna Bio. Well, welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. I appreciate the invite. You guys are actually a resident here of the Charleston Tech Center, which opened uh, a little bit uh, less than a year ago. How are you finding the building so far? It's been great. Uh, It's a really warm community, lots of interesting things going on. It's It's a nice place to work. I'm really happy to be here. Let's start by talking a little bit about Avicenna Biosciences. Tell us a little bit about your mission, uh, sort of the, what, what you're working on, and sort of the progress that you've made to date. Sure thing. So we're a um, startup, and we're interested in accelerating the discovery of new medicines. So we're, we really style ourselves as a drug development firm, and we use some new insights that we've developed in machine learning to more quickly explore chemical space and find uh, an optimum compound for area where there's a huge unmet medical need. So things like neurodegeneration, autoimmune disease, metabolic disease, uh, these things that bring a lot of pain and suffering to people, we're trying to find new avenues of treating that. And so far, we've launched three programs. Uh, we have two going into efficacy studies right now. Uh, and one of our programs went from idea to Dose finding, which is your first experiments needed to understand, is it going to be a drug or not? We did that in about half a year. So that's that's as fast mm-hmm. as anywhere else, if not the fastest that I've heard of. Well, where and how did the idea behind Avicenna Biosciences originate? And what problem did you set out to solve? And how did you decide that you'd be the one to solve that problem? Avicenna came out of some of the work that I did when I was a postdoc and. and Peter uh, was also a postdoc at Emory with me. We were in Dennis Leota's group. Originally, I worked on antiviral drug discovery and drug design. Uh, So we worked on nucleoside analogs. And the the chemistry there is very hard, which if you're trying to uh, find a a medicine is not exactly the thing you want to be wrestling with is understanding Mm -hmm. new chemistry. It's also very dangerous. Um, You typically use organophosphorus agents. Um, you use a lot of dangerous substances and it's very slow because the chemistry is hard. So not only do you have this this really high personal danger of working with some of these reagents, you get bogged down in, in new chemistry. It gets very interesting, but your likelihood of finding a drug is quite low. 
So I got interested in ways of looking at other chemical space, easier chemical space, if you will, and taking all of the insight out there in the literature, designing machine learning algorithms that account for all these different properties that you need to have a drug, and then taking, say, two million compounds that you think are going to be a candidate and making five of those, so five out of two million. And in those five, two or three are actually true candidates that you can take into late-stage development. We found that we actually had a new strategy here. We, we had correctly applied machine learning and chemistry, which uh, there's some stuff that we aren't ready to talk about yet that you really need to account for. This new theoretical insight gave us speed, uh, greater speed, greater accuracy, and, and hopefully we can knock down some of these big nasties, some of these massive unmet medical needs. Now, your background was originally in academia and then in, in research. What was the transition, the journey like from that world into being a tech entrepreneur? Yeah, it, it happened while I was a medical student. So I, I trained uh, biochemistry, dabbled in mathematics, didn't formally finish a, a degree in that, went into total synthesis. That's what my doctorate's in. And then when I was a postdoc in medicinal chemistry, I realized that sometimes I was trying to line up a development path that wasn't actually addressing any anything that was clinically meaningful. You could there there was some science that we wanted to do, mm-hmm. some pure science, but there wasn't actually at the end of the day something that was going to go out, be a drug, and alleviate some suffering or cure a disease. And I went into clinical medicine, so I, I, I went over into the UK for my medical training, and I was very fortunate that in that transition I was still supported by Dennis, so I worked as a consulting scientist in his group, and. When Peter and I were considering how we're going to establish our own independent careers, we realized that if you want to find a drug, you you have to chase a huge pile of money. People have to fund these very expensive clinical trials. And the only way that we felt we could realistically do that was in industry. And so I began transitioning into industry while I was actually a clinician Mm -hmm. as a clinical medical student. So looking at diseases every day and it, rotating through medical specialties, trying to pick the optimum places to, to find maximum benefit and bumped into a venture capital firm called DCVC Bio. They liked what we were doing. They liked the strategy. They brought in one of their entrepreneurs in residence, Chris Meldrum, and we transitioned into Avicenna Biosciences, the C-Corp from the LLC. And that was interesting to wind down an LLC move all of those assets into a C-corp, and then get an initial round of funding from a venture capital firm. And so far, we've been working together for nearly two years, and they've liked us enough to start the, the next round of funding. So, so it's, been, it's been good. So as you've made that transition from academia to industry, was there anything that was you know, especially challenging for you or anything that was a big surprise uh, for you as, as you've, you've done that? You know, you, you said you sort of did it a little bit more gradually starting, mm-hmm. you know, while you were a clinician, but is there anything that stands out? So I was very fortunate to do a postdoc for Dennis Leota, uh, and I think Peter will tell you the same thing. It is one of the few groups in academia that has actually found medicines. So even the Olniparavir, uh, the COVID antiviral, mm-hmm. came out of Dennis's group, the EIDD. Well, the EIDD has since grown, and they're an autonomous entity. The Leota group has done a lot of awesome work in antivirals. And because of that, because it's one of the rare places in academia where we can actually do drug development, I found the transition to industry not as bad as, as you might imagine. Probably the hardest thing has been hiring, is getting people 
to believe that your startup is actually <laughs> going to go somewhere because uh, it's always risky and it's the, the, everybody's excited about whatever they're doing. So really recruiting talent has been challenging. But we recently recruited a head of chemistry, Sandra Melvedere, who's just phenomenal. Yeah. And we're continuing to flesh out the team with, with really talented people. Yeah. Is hiring really sort of the primary challenge that's unique to starting a tech startup in sort of a highly specialized domain like pharmaceuticals? That and we, as we actually get later into the investigational new drug mm-hmm. process, this IND packet, uh, the regulatory, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical development is a highly regulated field and you really need expertise to understand how to interact with government agencies. Um, and that's probably going to be the next challenge is making sure that we're on a a good and happy path for the FDA to make sure that they can green light us for running the clinical trial. And now you've got a background in addition to pharmaceuticals and chemistry and, and mathematics. You know, talk a little bit, of, if you can, about AI and, and sort of the challenges and the opportunities associated with taking highly technical digital technology like AI and bringing it to highly technical, uh, you know, industry like pharmaceuticals. Is, you know, are there you know, unique challenges there? The interesting thing is I'm also a physician, and I, I think I'll start there before going sure. into the chemistry of pharmaceuticals. So one thing that it, clinicians will understand is the messiness and complexity of human data points. That's one of the reasons why we run these clinical trials is unless you account and control for a lot of these hidden factors, sometimes you see what you want to see. And the reason why I start there is a, a number, when you're using numerical methods to analyze number, the context of that number is paramount. Mm -hmm. And that's the chief thing that I found training as a chemist and a physician who is machine learning savvy is sometimes the field doesn't appropriately consider the context. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you don't actually build a statistical model that has any real utility. It's very limited. So when you're looking at these chemical biology data sets and how that chemical biology translates to human disease and how that human disease can be modified through some biological pathway, the data that are involved in that are very noisy and and very messy unless you appropriately situate them. Mm -hmm. So that's been the biggest challenge of bringing AI and machine learning really into, into this process is figuring out how to build something that actually has meaning for the design point that you're in, you're trying to engineer, which is, you know, say I need to have a clearance uh, value less than this, or my serum half-life needs to be greater than this. How do I build a machine learning algorithm that will make sure that I find a drug that has that property? Right. And we talked at the outset about you know, the fact that you guys, are, that you're a resident at the Charleston Tech Center here. Talk a little bit about the decision to make the move to Charleston. Uh, sort of what led to that and sort of how are you finding it uh, so far in terms of, you know, being in the community here? The decision was entirely personal. So, so Peter's <laughs> wife, uh, she is a radiologist up at MUSC. And when we were, you know, still half-baked, for lack of a better phrase, um, she was not going to move anywhere uh, for us just on a whim. So we came to Charleston until we really had proof of concept. Mm-hmm. And and now that we've, we've proven it, I think that the community is very, very warm and a lot mm-hmm. of talented people are, are moving down here. I think the biggest challenge that the community faces is that there's not really a place to get bench space. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have, say, some pharmacologists or some molecular biologists or some chemists outside of MUSC, Mm -hmm. there's no option. That's one of the things that we're wrestling with right now is as we grow into some wet lab Mm -hmm. space, how do we do that and and still keep a a cohesive team? Mm -hmm. 
But other than that, the, the, the community is bright. It's vivacious. It's a lot of interesting things happening for Charleston now. Yeah. Well, and given your industry, I know it's important to keep things close to the vest. Does that create challenges for you, like in terms of your ability to sort of connect with other folks in the entrepreneurship community here? It's kind of like less able to talk about some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, that's, that's one of the real challenges of doing drug development is because your partners are going to be large pharmaceutical organizations a lot of the mm-hmm. time, you really have to protect your intellectual property because they are going to invest a ton of money in right. your clinical trial, and they need to be able to recover that money uh, because they're going to take a bet, say, on our clinical mm-hmm. asset and somebody else's clinical asset. And if you're in phase two, phase three, the odds are still against you. So they're right. going to have to place a lot of bets yeah. to find a medicine. So that's the biggest thing, the most frustrating thing about trying to find drugs is that you are more than likely going to fail. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend a lot of money. Uh, you don't necessarily understand all the science even because you, you're dealing with an, a new target or an unknown problem. And as a consequence of that, you have to be very tight-lipped uh, until you start getting towards the later stages where the risk is is mitigated. Right. And that is a big problem. And that's, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting about patent law is that it does let you – secure kind of as a placeholder of, okay, when we actually do all of the development work needed to turn this into a drug, we can recover that mm-hmm. investment or our partners or whomever. And as, as a consequence of the way that the process works, you don't really talk about it at the early stage. Mm-hmm. And it can be very difficult to find people. You, you tend to go under CDA with senior people so that you can show them what you're doing and they can make an informed decision about whether they want to join you. Well, again, understanding you sort of need to be a bit tight-lipped about some of the things. What can you tell us about what's next for Avicenna? Hopefully, we're on track to go into IND-enabling studies mm-hmm. this year on, on a program that's very exciting. Uh, it's, a, it's a major neurodegenerative disease that kills quickly and aggressively. Uh, and hopefully, we've got a solution for that. Mm-hmm. A real disease-modifying approach that can be taken orally and improves the quality of those patients' lives and their families. It, it can be devastating for the families as well. We're going after more immunomodulation, not only for autoimmune disease, but for autoimmune neurodegeneration. And uh, we've got some rare cancers with some exciting preliminary data. So fleshing out the team, making sure that we go into development and and keeping on the the pace of running these hideous things down. That's that's what's next for us. Right. Well, in terms of the local Charleston tech and entrepreneurship community, what do you hope that Avicenna brings uh, to the community over time? I think the the biggest thing that we can bring is somebody who can be critical of machine learning as as it's applied to different disciplines and and a resource for some of these emerging mathematical techniques Mm -hmm. that are very new, that there's a lot of excitement and people really don't know how to solve them yet, Mm -hmm. how to even apply them for problems that are extant. I think that's the biggest thing is being a resource for medicinal chemistry, drug development, and and for new mathematical techniques. That's great. Well, where can listeners go if they want to learn more or keep up with Avicenna? But right now, we do, we're, we're still kind of in stealth mode, yeah. which is pretty typical. Mm-hmm. So you can't really find a lot about us. Mm-hmm. You can find the team on LinkedIn or something yeah. like that. But unfortunately, we're still we're still at a phase where we have to right. be kind of tight-lipped. As you start to make news, I'm sure we'll be sharing it here uh, via the Charleston Digital Corridor because it's a great success story having you guys here and, and glad to have you as a resident. Really appreciate that. And I just want to say thanks for the, the time to talk with you about mm-hmm. what we do. Well, thanks, Tom. Yeah, it's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Great. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. And thanks to our sponsors, Charleston County Economic Development Department and the I-5K. Charleston County Economic Development Department is dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. The I-5K race is a weekday evening run and one of the favorite networking events for Charleston's tech professionals. This year's event is scheduled for June 2nd. Learn more and get your tickets at i5k.com. That's I-F-I-V-E-K.com. Thanks to our sponsors and the Charleston Digital Corridor for making the show possible. You can subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review so we know how we're doing and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast.